Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Hey guys, I just wanted to put a quick note here to tell you a little bit about this episode before we dive straight in. Uh, so the Let's Talk About It miniseries has been going down so, so well. And um, this particular episode is uh, speaking to a good friend of mine about her journey into bisexuality. Um, so we're covering her personal experiences, a variety of different topics from biphobia and coming out to emotional versus physical sex and the difference between sleeping with a man and a woman. It's obviously a very personal topic and so I would ask that you don't take our words as gospel. We are just two friends sharing our views on the matter over a couple of gins Um, and so yeah our views may of course differ from yours but I hope that you guys do enjoy the episode and as always drop us a message let us know what you thought and any other topics that you think would be a good fit for this mini-series actually let us know at 20 not something on Instagram. Um, But yeah let's let's get into the episode. I think when I first met you, I feel like, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I was like, you're a very sexual person. Very sexual person. When do you think that has started? Uh, Actually, kind of later in life, because Mm. I was very, the term I would use is frigid. I'm just saying, me too. Why are you? Yeah, See, that would so surprise me about you as well. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Hair bags. Um, no, I was very, very kind of conservative about sex until I got to probably 18, mm. which for some people is young. <laughs> I had sex when I was 15, but I was like, we're going to not have sex for a year. You have to be committed to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very much played it like that. And then my parents had broken up and I think I went through a bit of kind of trauma when I was like 18 I say trauma but it just wasn't a great time I went traveling and I was like no one's gonna judge me because no one's gonna know Mm. I remember my mentality being like if I go out I'm gonna get laid like there was 100% and I still go through phases like this (laughs) where it's like the cause is like I'm going out to have sex Mm. and that's it do you think so I recognised this at uni so I was in a relationship my whole time at uni and I distinctly remember going out and seeing girls on the pool and I loved it and I never like judge anyone but I think there is that overarching you know slag hoe bag girls going out to get laid is Mm. you know considered slutty but I did really notice a difference in perhaps like self-worth. Like if I if I was going out with girls and they didn't pull, they'd end the night feeling really miserable. Did yeah. you ever have that as well? I think, do you know what? I think that part of it was probably my own judgment towards <clears throat> women where mm. there was like an element of looking at other women that were doing it and being like, oh, I'm so much better than you because I don't feel the need to do that. Mm. And, like, I really recognised that during uni. I think that's because I was the same as you. I had a relationship and it was very easy for me to kind of be like, I'm fine because I was getting laid at home. Yeah. And actually, when I have been at my lowest is when I'm the most likely to go out drinking and have Mm. casual sex. And I've really recognised, like, a correlation between the two things. Mm. I think the term slut and slag, like... 
I have had different versions of it from different people where they've kind of defined it in different ways. My definition, if I was ever to consider someone those things, very rare, number one. Mm. Number two, it's more likely to be because somebody has knowingly hurt someone. Mm. There has to be like an ill intent there. Mm. Whereas some people have said to me, no, it's just about having casual sex. If it's casual sex, I'm the biggest hobo. <laughs> It's true, and I don't mind that. Yeah. Like, I think that sex is just, like, a very primitive act. Mm. I don't see it as anything more than that. Mm. No, that makes me think of, like, the emotional attachment. And I remember earlier you saying that you you can quite easily detach emotion from mm. sex. And I find that really interesting because it's something that I really struggle with. Do like, you? So, no, I can, I can have casual sex, mm-hmm. but I always think that sex is better when there is an emotional connection. And the only time I've had really, really good sex is when I really like the person. Okay, question. When do you feel that you have had the best sexual experience? And who was it with and why? <laughs> do you think it was like an emotional thing? I think that no, it was a communication thing. Communication and comfort are my things. So you need the two things. Yeah, I they think they can't so. be one or the other. Uh, no, because I think I need to feel comfortable to feel like I can communicate. And in communicating with someone, I feel more comfortable. I feel like they go hand in but hand. But I think from a biological perspective, I'm no doctor. But I feel like, sure, that must be part of it. In order to have an orgasm, you must have to have the relaxing and the tension phase, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So there must... Yeah, you're probably right in the sense that, one, you need someone to actually know, hello, the clitoris is here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I exist. <laughs> and number two, you also need to feel, like, relaxed in order to actually have an orgasm. Yes, yeah. I get that. And I think that's probably true. It's just that I feel very relaxed around a lot yeah. <laughs> But the way that porn construes sex, I had this mm-hmm. conversation in the other part of the podcast, um, it's like hard and fast, right? That is your generic um, male-female porn. Yeah. That is the generic in, in my experience. Um, and so when you go to have casual sex, often I find that that is the like go-to. the go-to and I don't have an orgasm from that. So... The first time I... So, hello, I'm bisexual. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> the first time that I... So this is when I was travelling again. Although, mm-hmm. having said that, I, my family were not heteronormative at all. They were very much like, whatever you like, whatever you're into, you don't need to tell us. Mm-hmm. Just go with it. And then whoever you bring home is fine. Could be as long as it's not like. That's amazing. How do you have those conversations with your parents when you're young? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't me having those conversations. It was them having those conversations to me, which was just like, by the way, kids, if you ever. So I didn't understand it at the time Mm. because it was before I was a sexual being, and they were just saying, "Whoever you love, you don't need to explain it to us. You just bring them home." And to me at the time, it didn't make sense. I was like, well, fucking obviously. (laughs) I'll bring them home. Yeah, no worries. And then you get older and you're like, oh. That's what they meant. That's Mm. what they meant. And luckily they were targeting the right audience. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I remember that my best friend, when we were traveling, said she was definitely straight. There was not a gay bone in her body, but she was very into lesbian porn. Mm. And I remember being like, I'm also into lesbian porn. 
but there is a gay person in my body. <laughs> I want to try that. Mm. And um, that was the first time I had a crush on a girl was when I was 18. And I got battered down. Like, fuck it. It was so embarrassing. I was so drunk. And I was like, I already fancy you. And she's like, I'm straight. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck, okay. But I'm interested to ask you, your first sexual encounter with a girl Mm -hmm. how was that for you so (laughs) licking my lips (laughs) (laughs) let's get into the juice let's get into the juices um ironically she was australian (laughs) um so (laughs) my first sexual encounter with a girl again was i suppose quite late i was never one of those girls where it was like through uni where you were kissing in dorms Mm. i hear about that and it kind of cringes me out a bit because it's usually straight girls trying to get attention from men okay mm. fine live your life but also that's not what we do as queers um i basically was in a strip club <laughs> i was very drunk and to be honest i look back on it and i'm a bit like that was taking advantage it was an older couple who must have been about 35 to 40 mm. And I was 18 and they basically, I was so drunk. The girls had gone back and they took me back to their hotel. And he, so the idea was a threesome, obviously. I was like very in that stage about wanting to have a relationship or sex with a woman. Mm -hmm. So the ideal was like, he wouldn't touch me. (laughs) And that was the deal. And every time I watched that episode with friends where Ross talks about like (laughs) eating I think about the scene where I had my first sexual encounter with a woman. Do you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this. I was literally on my period and he went to the shop and got me tampons. (laughs) And I went down on his wife. (laughs) And no word of a lie. Like the minute that I woke up from like being like, I have been in this dream was when he got back from the shop with the tampons I wanted. And I literally left there and I was like, okay, I'm definitely bisexual. <laughs> tick. <laughs> definitely tick on the box. I'm definitely not into 40-year-old men. <laughs> Two things I learned from that experience. But that was my first experience as a woman. Interesting. And big question, oh. which may not be answerable. Mm-hmm. In your opinion... Do you prefer having sex with guys or girls? It's not answerable. Mm. And I would imagine that a lot of bisexual people or anyone that's experienced sex with both genders would say the same thing. Because it's so different. So different. And like, I think having said that, as I've got older, sex, heteronormative sex and sex with men is very much getting better mm-hmm. thank god they finally learn <laughs> like where it's not maybe it's because they think they're competing because we're in a generation where we're like we'll shag another woman if you don't give me an <laughs> orgasm i will literally fuck my friend <laughs> that's the quote of the episode <laughs> but it's true and yeah. i think they've realized that like actually what we need to be doing is it needs to be an experience mm. it needs to be for both parties it needs to be something where you have communication, but you also have some calmness, some understanding about what that person wants. Mm-hmm. But I always said, sex with women is an experience. And I've heard this quoted again, and I swear to God I wasn't copywriting. 
but sex with women is an experience whereas sex with men is an event interesting there's a start there's you can point. 100% go yeah. this is the minute it started this is the minute it ended mm. whereas with a woman like you can it just doesn't end like there's no end point mm. because one person gets horny and then that person gets pleasured and then the other person goes oh this is kind of fun mm. do you want to go down and mean it's just so much more the word is probably wrong but conscientious I think mm. women are much more conscious about how the other person because we spend our whole lives being like are you okay okay? yeah and that is the same with sex Mm. we're constantly worried about whether the other person is feeling pleasured Mm. men generally speaking no offense Mm. but generally speaking are more worried about their own pleasure yeah or just like doing a good job like i feel like there's so much pressure on sex to you know, girls talk about sex, and you know, we've all oh, sat, we talk, about, we talk it. about it a lot. Like hundred percent. I think probably more so than. I mean, I know my male friends, and I'm always like, I'd love to be on a fly on the wall, but I know they don't talk about men. They just don't really give a shit. No, yeah. and they're just. But have you heard? So I didn't realize until recently, and this is going to show my naivety with sex. I did not realize the intensity of female orgasms in comparison to male. Mm. male. I genuinely thought that men orgasm just either as intensely or more. Interesting. But now I have learned that women, like we really go for it. Yeah. When we are there, we are there. There. (laughs) But don't you think that's because they're more sporadic slash so much easier to scare away? Like, you know, when you get to that point, you're like, yes, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. I got this idea. they get scared away. <laughs> scared little sperms, like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I think, I, I actually don't know what it is. And it would be interesting to hear from someone who's like genuinely into friggin' science mm. and biology. Because someone said to me once, well, there's no point to a female orgasm. But what? I learned that that's not... Well, they were talking biologically, oh, right? Oh, I see. Like, you don't know because you don't true. need it. Right. So I don't know, ladies. Right. I don't think guys realise this. You can tell if a woman's faking an orgasm because her vagina will pulsate. Mm. <laughs> like, there is a feeling and you will feel it if you're a guy and if you're not doing it, she's faking it. So you need to change up what you're doing. <laughs> that it literally... And so apparently what that is doing is it's trying to grab and pull up the sperm. Yes. So okay, it's being like, come yeah. towards my ovaries. <laughs> like, little voodoo. <laughs> like, and I had no idea that was the case. Mm. And that's incredible that our bodies do yeah. that. But if a man can't tell that you're faking an orgasm, it's because he doesn't know enough about the female anatomy. But I don't think any of us know much about the female anatomy. Also true. Like, did you know, have you watched Sex, Love and Goop? No. Oh my God, recommend. What is it on? Netflix. Okay, so Sex, know, Love and Goop. Uh, and they were, there's so many things on that program that you learn about the female body. Mm. And you go like, holy shit I didn't one know. of those things is that our vagina uh, our clitoris is a 10 centimeters long jesus christ so they are placed behind whatever the phrase i don't know what the <laughs> biology is but there is a lot of clitoris to work with Jeez. and you have no idea no and i don't think men know either no what but i don't think that's Again. necessarily their fault because we don't know how are they supposed to know 100 and they said that something i can't remember when it was in the 20th century but there was like a phase where there was learnings happening obviously but about the anatomy in general Mm. and then they removed everything to do with female pleasure 
And so, yeah, there's like a really interesting part where they discuss the fact that actually everything in those bits... I remember at school having like a fucking teaspoon at like 15 and then placing how much liquid would be the equivalent to a male ejaculation. And I had no idea I could come. Mm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So going back to you being bisexual, I just wanted to ask you whether you've ever... Like, I remember growing up, people would say they were bi, and it's like, oh, you're so greedy. Like, just decide. Like, <laughs> And also what you were saying earlier about, like, straight girls at uni getting with each other to, to get male attention. Like, mm. I feel like there's a lot of chat around that and that in the heterosexual community as a perceived view mm-hmm. of bisexual people. Have you ever experienced, like, biphobia or, you know, like, yeah, slang like that? honestly I've experienced more biphobia within the LGBT community than I have outside really? of it yeah, hun- like not even close like I haven't experienced many straight people say anything to me where I've been like oh that makes me feel uncomfortable whereas I've had a lot of lesbian dates where it's like you feel in- inadequate like mm. one hun- there's only been one girl that I've ever dated that I've been like I really like you like I genuinely think that I could see my future with you and she was a lesbian and her issue with me was that I was bisexual yeah because her experience was ultimately that bisexual girls wouldn't date women so apparently there's like a and again everything's on a spectrum so I do understand this but I think it's very difficult for lesbians to understand that we just sit on this like weird mm. no man's land where mm. we're like, if we like you, we like you. She wouldn't literally wouldn't date me because I was bisexual. I've because had... she was scared you'd change your mind? Like Yeah, I think that was the fear was that mm. I would end up with a guy and for some reason and again, I'm not saying this doesn't exist, it's just not something I've experienced where someone leaving you as a lesbian woman for a man is like worse than Mm. leaving you for another woman and it seems to happen a lot but I I also blamed that a lot on the kind of people she was dating because I think there's a maturity about any dating within relationships Mm -hmm. and I think that there is like a hype around being part of the queer community which seems fun to some people but then I... I don't sit in that camp majorly because I think that we are all on a journey and I think I can't imagine many people have never experienced that thought where they're like, what would it be I, like? Yeah, what yeah. would it be like? What was like the potential? Is it just sexual? Is it not? And so it kind of makes me sad that people almost feel like you've got to fit in that category mm. and if you move from that category, like God forbid, mm. because like you are going to be judged like, well, you're not really bisexual because once you thought you were straight or once you said you were straight and now you're gay so you can't really be yeah people just need to like chill a little bit yeah and i think we get bogged down with this idea of labels as well like 100%. just because so for example for me like i know that i find women attractive we talked about this before yeah i remember the first time i met you we talked about this yeah and i find it really interesting because then i'm like well does that make me buy? but i've never had sex with a woman but would i be open to it yeah probably but it just hasn't happened yet. So am yeah. I about to be bisexual? Am I... Do am I, I bi? Like, what if I say I'm bi? Then yeah, I'm not. And then, and then I'm then not. I and then I'm straight. And like, so did you come out, for example? So, like I said, like my parents were incredible and how, mm. in my opinion, every parent should be because it takes 
the pressure of, you always feel pressure as any queer person anyone that is anything other than the norm you feel pressure mm-hmm. you feel pressure to like I want to dye my hair blue like who do I tell let alone like I want to fuck a woman and yeah. like marry her so I think I was really lucky that my parents were not ever worried about it I don't know whether they kind of knew mm. like I don't know whether because they were so adamant I'm always <laughs> like, like did you know I was a bit gay <laughs> um but I did actually come out and the reason that I came out was for myself more than anyone else mm. I came, but I came out very late like I came out when I was met this girl I was talking about that I liked I think I was 25 oh really yeah but the last person I came out to was very recently and that is because part of my grandparents uh, they're through marriage but nonetheless I consider them my grandparents they are very religious and very homophobic Mm. like incredibly so and I remember having a conversation where they didn't know I was bisexual and it was so hurtful because they were just basically saying they don't deserve to have children like they're a sin like I wish that they basically were dead and I would sit there and I'd be like haha I'm one of them oh my god (laughs) so you came out to them Uh uh-huh recently oh my god and honestly they were so lovely and they have bought me like mugs with like fucking (laughs) LGBT slogans on them no it was really cute and I had the same thing with my uh, my actual biological granddad who I was really close with Mm. I came out to him a few years ago he's passed now and I said to him he basically was sitting in a room and going again same old bullshit Mm -hmm. you know where he was saying gay people shouldn't have kids and blah 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 and I literally so I knew I was his favourite person in the world and we were sitting in a room in front of loads of people who all had the same opinions of him and this is the proudest moment I've ever had in my life I literally turned to him and was like you do realise I'm not straight and I mean he looked so disappointed in me he was like how dare you you're like this lawyer who's like I've you know you're the only one in our family who's gone into law and like he put me on this pedestal of like mm. good at school and like so golden child yeah golden yeah. child and then I was like hi I'm not straight and Gosh. he basically turned to me and said if you ever marry a woman I will not be there horrible horrible managed to kind of calm him down and basically said to him you know I would just ask that you take three days just to think about like properly think about it Mm. and if you truly stand by what you feel then fine Mm -hmm. but really think about what it is that you hate about gay people you hate about people like me and like is it really worth it and if you i will respect your decision and i'm not getting you to three days to the day and i was in tears those whole three days because he was the love of my life I know, but I still have the text message and he messaged me and said, and he used an emoji, like my 80-year-old grandfather. He said, of course I'll be at your wedding. I'm sorry about the way that I reacted. But little like, um, you know that emoji that's like a a church with the wedding bells? And just put, I love you, I'm so proud of you. And I'm actually going to (laughs) cry. I know. And like, I don't think people realize even yeah. as like as a bisexual person yeah okay i've stopped, i've never brought a girl home to my family mm. but oh don't you, <laughs> don't you be 
the look. Sorry. There's just like a, there is so much, there's just such weight with it. Yeah, yeah. And like, actually, when you properly identify as, and you you accept yourself for it, there's such a journey. It's not like Mm. you wake up one day and you're like, oh, do you know what? I kind of want to lick pussy. Mm -hmm. Like, it really takes such a long period of time it's so much more than just the physical yeah wow Mm. (laughs) i'm so happy they all came around but this just shows like that generation and i and i know that they're like they're not exclusive in this like i know those the the people in that story are all sort of 70 plus Mm. but like people like that exist in our age group oh yeah i've got a best friend like really yeah Mm. and I, i yeah i just think that if you you know, it just shows you that people can hold these views, but then when they're actually faced with it implicitly in their lives and they ha- they risk losing someone they love, then, like, it doesn't really play a part. Just think, ask questions. Yeah. Like, I've realised that about everything that's, like, particularly intense. Mm-hmm. Just ask questions and let someone tie <clears throat> themselves up. Mm. And, like, okay, so question, have you ever watched gay porn? Like, male, male gay male. porn. No, but I know a lot of girls who have. So I did it recently. Mm. found it really hot. Did you? And I never... I, I was terrified of it. Mm. Big porn advocate. Terrified. And I watched it and I was like, oh. Really? Kind of into this. And then I was so like, oh, maybe I... And then I, ever since then, I've kind of been like, oh, I would probably have sex with, like, two bisexual guys. Interesting. Mm. I highly recommend just seeing. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. So, in like conventional terms, guys are attracted to girl on girl. Like, that's always been implicit in society, right? I'm thinking yeah. American Pie, you know. Mm. Even when I was <laughs> when I was with someone, mm. I was like, if I get with a girl, would you consider that cheating? And they said, no, it'd be hot. And I'm like, God, it's so, like, it's so wrong. Yeah. But anyway, fine, I'll do it. That works for me. Taurus. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to girls viewing guys in that way, it's not as, I guess, implicit in the media or, or seen to be as sexy, right? Yeah. Like, I think we can all agree that that is the case. I just, I wonder why, why we accept girl on girl so much more. But do we accept lesbianism yeah. over gay? Yes, we yeah. do. We a hundred percent do. We, and I think that it comes down to like strip back and go back to feminism, which is women are seen as sexual objects. Mm. So women on oh, women, so like it yeah. has to be. Yeah. I can't think of any other reason. Because I've also spent a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> and it just goes, surely goes back to like gender roles where it's like women are sensual and sexy and like we touch mm. each other slowly. We look after each it's other. sensual. And, yeah, and, yeah. and also we are there and we're doing a service for male pleasure. Mm. Whereas Matt, because this is the other thing. I don't know if you've ever listened to podcasts or watched documentaries about porn. Mm. Women are always, girl on girl, no matter what it is, it's always about male pleasure. That is yeah. ultimately oh, yeah. what oh, it's about. hundred percent. You have lesbian porn and it is all about men. That's so... Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And like, it's just... It just all is. Whereas men are meant to be the dominant ones and there's meant to be like the submissive woman and... I... St- so honestly, I can't answer this question. I don't know what it is about gayness that freaks a straight guy out so mm. much. I, I don't know how to answer that question because mm. all I can think is is maybe it's because 
men, straight men, are terrified that they have a little bit of gay about them. They do not want to explore it. Because mm. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Apparently there was... And, okay, I'm wisping this out of thin air, but this is word on the street. <laughs> that there was, like, a study done where they took a load of homophobic men and a load of men that were basically pro-gay into a room and made them watch gay porn. And the homophobic men were more likely to get erections from watching gay porn than the straight men. I don't know if this is true. Blame my mum if it's not. (laughs) Because she was the one that told me this. But I genuinely can kind of see some truth to it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that as well. Also, gay porn is fucking hot. Like, I have so many gay friends and I watched it and I was like, God, you guys have an absolute rally. Like, that looks great. (laughs) And I know, do you... Oh, no, we talked about this. I watched Summer House on Hey You, which is reality TV. And the the really fit straight guy on there, at one point discloses that the best head he ever had was from a guy. And it just so happened he was in an orgy and like there was a guy there and it was really good. And he felt so embarrassed. And I was like, I feel like women, straight women, use that as like a topic point to like pull men mm. is like the best head I've ever had is from, it's a, from a girl yeah so true but and when yet it's the with other guys way around... like it was like a huge taboo but that's why I always think same sex sex must be so good because you, you are know. you know you know exactly what gets you off and chances are that's probably what's gonna get your partner off but then okay so so this is also an interesting topic i've obviously done both Mm -hmm. had a penis down my throat and licked a vagina Mm. men like to make out that licking a vagina is like really tiresome like oh you know your tongue hurts they've never had a dick down their throat (laughs) because i'm telling you it's more labor laborious Than licking a vagina. It's so it good to is. get the comparison. Yeah, I know. Like so many questions. <laughs> oh, no, it's true though. I always think that. And if you just think about the two acts as separate entities, like of course that is. Yeah. It's like making out. Like, yeah. Okay, your tongue literally works out every day. Like, yeah. have you ever opened up your throat and pushed something? No, you haven't. <laughs> like, obviously it's just a banana. Not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, when we were teenagers, like, who can stick it the furthest down your throat? And you thought that was all that was to it. Oh, funny. Yeah. Okay. I also wanted to ask you... Oh, God. A smooth transition. No, no, no. <laughs> um, polyamory. So, obviously, you have sex with couples. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be an engaging experience? And would you do it, say, if you had a long-term partner, would you engage in that frequently? You wouldn't. (laughs) Interesting. Easiest answer of the Mm. night. No, so, yeah. So, I can't remember. Did I? I must have told you about about the the married couple. Uh, Well, married couple and then engaged couple. Oops. Um, So, the engaged couple is the most recent. And I, I tried it out twice. And I really didn't like it. And I think I realised... One, I'm an incredibly monogamous person. So mm. when I am dating, when I'm in a relationship, like I very much want one person, my personal preference. That's nothing to do with polyamory. Um, if it works for you, it works for you. But what I have noticed, and it's only happened twice that I've been with couples, but when I have noticed that I have had a relationship with them, there's always one person that's more into it than the other. And you always, well, I personally have always, always, always felt that I'm doing it for one person and the other person is just doing it to make the other person happy. Right, yeah. I've never felt like it's 50-50. I've never felt like they're both in it for the right reasons. 
the last couple I was with, I very much felt like it was for him. I didn't mm. feel that she had any bisexual tendencies whatsoever. I really fancied her. The only, so me and me and my lesbian friends always say sometimes you have to take the D to get to the B. <laughs> And sometimes you end up in threesomes where you're shagging the boyfriend because you fancy his girlfriend. And this was the circumstance that I was in. But I really, 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 truly felt that she was doing it for him. Mm. And that's not fit. Like, you don't want to be having sex with someone who you feel like isn't actually there for the right reason. Yeah. So for me personally, my experience of it has been like a no-go, doesn't work they had had relationships with girls before me and they had never worked out. I think they'd been doing it for like four years. And they used to say to me that the reason it didn't work out is because the girls always fell for him, right? I, oh God, he used to have sex with me when she went to the shower or the bathroom without her. And I felt so uncomfortable. Mm. And like, he would message me privately. And I would be like, the thing is, is I think previously what had actually been happening is he had been creating these side relationships with these girls. Mm. They had loved it and then ended it because they wanted him, not her. But he just was a bit of a narcissist. And I was not into it at all. I think, ironically, I just thought his, I really fancied his girlfriend. (laughs) Girlfriend. But I think in a situation like that, like I, I believe that polyamory can actually work really effectively mm-hmm. if you have that implicit trust. Like you trust your partner a hundred thousand percent. In what way? Because some people feel so they call what do they ethical polyamory? Mm. So that you know, I'm so you know, like in my eyes, I mean, I'm not a pro at it at all. But the way that I, the only way that I feel like I could be polyamorous is if I was with someone and I. And I loved them and they loved me. And I knew deep down that no matter, sort of like uh, relating about to like emotion and sex, like if we were both having sex either with other people mm-hmm. or together in a threesome, like we know that we have a deeper connection than anything else that we're doing. And we can ultimately always rely and trust and build on that. And it's not like we'd ever leave each other for somebody else that we found. And if we did, then there would be a conversation around that. Like I think it's, it's there's a line between sort of yeah ethical polyamory and then unethical which is essentially cheating right i think yes i agree with you i do genuinely agree with you and i've had a number so i told you about killing kittens Mm. which i'm sure at some point will get brought up but that there have been couples that have messaged me from that and they've basically said you know they are very very into it great you know like and that obviously works for them Mm. But then I think about all the people I've loved mm. and I think... Why would you want to share that? As much... Like, I have mm. really fancied a lot of girls. I have only ever been in love with men. The mm. idea of watching them... And there's only two people that I can think of, but, like, the idea of watching them have sex with someone else. I just... Personally, I I haven't got there yet where I think that I could do that. Mm. Could I do it in 10 years time when I'm kind of bored of their penis? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to, isn't it? It's sort of the itchy thing. Yeah, you've got to to revive it in some way or another. I feel like we're not monogamous beings we're not designed to be with one person oh interesting I don't feel yeah I like even from a biological perspective I just don't maybe I get bored quickly Mm, I'm kind of with you girl I don't I don't see how 
I don't know whether we, you know, we glorify relationships based on the length of time that they last. Yeah, we definitely do. And actually... That's a Christian thing. That's like yeah, a Christian thing. but maybe thing. it doesn't have to be like that. And one of my favourite philosophers, Alan de Botton, he literally says, like, some of the best relationships are the ones that teach you the most about things. I know we're going slightly off topic here, but, like... Into it. If, yeah. you, if you were with someone for six months or six years and you learn something about yourself or they taught you something that then you were ready to move on to your next relationship with as sad as that thing ending like the new thing is amazing right yeah it is i'm just like a suck i'm just a ride or die bitch like i'm like a if you are mine you are mine and that's yeah, it yeah however i do especially when it comes to previous generations agree with you completely mm. and I have never, I have met a number of incredibly in love and happy 80 year olds oh, who've yeah. been together 50. But there is always an affair. Always, always, always. Mm. Whether it was 30 years ago, 10 years ago, there's always an affair. And I think, I hate to admit it, but I agree with you. Mm. I think that we need at some point, I can't imagine having sex with one person for the rest of my life. No. The chances are we're going to incorporate people. Yeah. Like, that is what I think that I will want at some point. Mm. But I, I believe we fall out of love with the people we love. Like Yeah, or it, it morphs into something more than love. Like, I, uh, yeah. Sex is fun. Like, let's, yeah. But we're also being very emotional here, right? Okay, so, let's go back to sex. <laughs> no, but the truth is, is like, you can also view sex as like, I, like you I said, I love you, mm-hmm. but I can stick it in someone. Like, I can mm-hmm. have one night with someone else and it could be the most fun I've ever had. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I love you any less. Mm-hmm. It just means that I've learned a new trick and I'm going to run like yeah that's a good thing yeah yeah thing is i say all this but like i want i want want the white picket fence and the two kids and the and the you know but i also want the like the like the The nanny i want the nanny too (laughs) but you get this is the thing this is the beauty of like modernization in terms of sexuality I told you, Killing Kittens for me is like a big thing now. Let's talk about Killing Kittens. So you are going to a sex sex party. party. I like to think of it as a little community now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anybody's listened. There's like a couple of different podcasts on the CEO of Killing Kittens. Can't remember her name. You would have to look that up. Put her in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She is an incredible human. And basically what she did was she set up this hedonistic like sex app which was hello women like go and find men that you like women that you like but this is all about your sexual pleasure Mm. and she so it's like an app where you can swipe left and right like tinder but on top of that it is also like these are the events and they're all based in london um, but they've now moved out to Paris, New York, wow. like all the sexy cities. Love you know? it. Like, <laughs> the sexy cities. <laughs> Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow. <laughs> but yeah, so we've got like tickets to go to London. And basically the idea is, is that you go, you look, you feel good, like you're mm. in really nice lingerie. It's not, some people do the kind of uh have you heard of torture gardens yeah so that's like the kind of fetish side of sex parties Mm -hmm. my side is more like 
oh, I feel like a classy woman and Mm. it's like a masquerade ball and, Mm. like, I'm wearing expensive lingerie. That's the idea of it. And you end up in, like, a secret club that you only find out about the night before, which makes it so much more fun. But you also get into, like, a group where you're all going to the same event. So you have almost, like, a WhatsApp group. Okay. So you can kind of check people out before. A lot of them are obviously couples, which so women are the only ones who can go but then they can women are the only ones that can buy tickets buy tickets so yeah so men generally speaking will be there but they have to have an invite from a woman Mm -hmm. and the idea of that is so that they are ultimately filtering out fucking assholes right That's such a good idea, though. That's Love so clever. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, so I have listened to... Oh, I can't remember. Again, I'm sorry, it's my memory. <laughs> There's another podcast where they talk about sex parties, and that's where I heard about selling, um, killing kittens. And it was basically them saying that they had been there and they had never felt so comfortable. Mm. Because you're all there and you're all kind of like, we're all here to have sex with each other, and this is a bit uncomfortable and a bit weird. But equally the vulnerability kind of makes you more respectful of other people because Mm. you're feeling it yourself. So that is my understanding. Maybe we'll catch up afterwards and people can find out how We'll do a follow-up. Yeah, follow-up. But it's like, there's meant to be... So to me, this is really sexy. To some people, they're probably like thinking like UTIs, STI, like how Mm. is this all going to go? There's like a pool in the middle of the club. There's like different rooms. Some of them are saunas. To me... That's like my fantasy. Mm. Like the idea of everyone in like masks, in like guys in tuxes, women in dresses. Like I'm into it. And I just think, why the fuck not? Yeah. I'm single. At some point, I'm going to be married with kids. And still going to them. All right, here. Still going to them. Babysitters, thank you. Yeah. Bring um, the babysitter. <laughs> yeah, probably. It'll be like a whole like Johnny Sins event. Like, like, seriously, someone I was talking to about it the other day and they were like, well, why are you doing it? Like, what is the purpose? And I was like, I just believe that like life should be about the good stuff too. We all like really work hard, right? Yeah eat good food have good sex like sleep like repeat repeat that's it like why would you not so true i've had incredible sex and i think that it's honestly when i think back to like some of the best nights of my life Mm. it's been surrounding usually food and sex not always together sometimes together but they are like um, two amazing parts of life yeah stop freaking out about it i just think that so much of that is to do with religion and unless you are devoted to a religion that is very specific Mm. go out and stop worrying about Mm. what people are going to say yeah and i think it's also important to kind of um i brought this up actually a friend voice noticed me the other day after uh, about one of the podcast episodes and she said that as much as there is a lot of um chat around you know women being overly sexual um and that being a bad thing she said that also not talking about sex as much and feeling like you are maybe a bit plain in the bedroom is also one of those things which is quite difficult to talk about and I was like yeah that's really interesting like I feel like there is is such a there is such a middle ground and it's like yeah like let's empower ourselves and go out and do it if you want to if you don't want to that's also that's also fine and like I do you think we just feel shame around 
everything. I think that's like, the conclusion. Like, okay, basically, you're going to feel shit. Yeah. So do whatever makes you happy. I kind of think yeah. that that's probably correct. Yeah. And that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, when I was a frigid, I used to have the piss taken out of me a lot. Yeah. Ditto. Virgin. <laughs> That was a big one. Mm-hmm. And like, you felt so inexperienced, didn't you? And you were like, oh, what am I missing out on? And like, sleepovers, like, never have I ever. Like, when I went to uni, <laughs> fuck me. Oh, Freshers. no, I was drinking a lot. <laughs> Freshers was like, never have I ever had a threesome, never have I had sex in the car, never have I ever. And I was like, I had uh. sex at the end of the bed. <laughs> at once, I even had my legs slightly open. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, over my head. <laughs> so, I um, could feel his ear. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, you're so right. Maybe we just feel shame about I think that that's everything. a female thing. Mm. I think, do you know what would be interesting? And I don't know if you're speaking mm. to anyone who's male. Like a male... So I've been trying to find... So I've got straight three... Guy. So I've got bisexuality is this episode. I've got a heterosexual... You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> I've got a heterosexual episode, which is I'm speaking to a guy and a girl at the same time. That mm-hmm. was an interesting dynamic. But I do want to speak to a guy on their own. Um, about oh, see that would be interesting yeah so any guys none of my male friends will do it. <laughs> like no really well i think because but that's like, telling in itself yeah but this is all anonymous and like whereas we're friends like i know that nobody's gonna know who you are from this who knows until you share it and i mean like, look hmm. to be honest as you can tell i'm a very <laughs> open book i really don't mind but all of these sex episodes are are anonymous um just purely for like because people don't want to come on and talk about it otherwise it is a personal thing um that's so funny i'm so but i love loud. that for you that's great and you know i think this is a cracking episode to be fair so i've loud. had fun and <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait it's to hear like about your sex please, my ladies <laughs> Sorry, that probably made you really uncomfortable. I was <laughs> I will have to get you back on to do a uh, a post killing kittens. I will. I will let you. I'm know. excited to hear. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the 20 Not Something podcast. There is plenty more where that came from, so do hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of future episodes. It would also mean the world to me if you could please leave us a cheeky review on iTunes as that helps more people to find us. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a great week, whatever it is you're up to, and you will hear from us very soon.